Welcome back to Sneaker Impact News. I'm your host, Brian the Botanist, and today I have a special interview with Louisa Hoyes from Tamra. With a background in environmental science and resource management, Louisa joined Tamra in 2019, where she has taken full responsibility for developing the textile sorting application. As textile recycling continues to gain attention, Louisa engages with diverse stakeholders across the value chain, supporting the move towards a new circular economy for textiles. I had the pleasure of meeting and hanging out with Louisa for the day a few weeks ago when she visited Sneaker Impact in Miami. Tamra is one of our partners, and the people behind the company, like Louisa, are the ones helping drive a partnership. So we want to introduce them to our community and get to know them better. Welcome, Louisa. How are you? Hi, Brian. I'm good, thank you. I'm back in Norway, but missing the sun in Miami. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, beautiful here in Miami. And we're just, there's so much going on here at Sneaker Impact, but we're so excited to get to know you today. And um, I had the pleasure to hang out with you the other day and we had some great conversations, but today I want to share it with our audience and tell them all about Tamra and our technology. And um, so let's get right into it. Tell us about Tamra. What type of services does a company provide? And where are you based and who are your clients? Yeah, so Tomra is a, today it's a global company. We were founded 51 years ago and it began with designing and manufacturing one of the world's first reverse vending machines to collect back in um, plastic bottles in shops. And today we are yeah much more than just the reverse vending machine. We have three major sectors. So one is the collection which is um, the reverse vending machines to collect back in primarily plastic bottles and cans. Uh, the second sector is Tomra sorting or Tomra recycling sorting, where we um, have different variations of automatic sorting technology, sensor-based sorting technology to detect different material types and recover them for recycling. And then the third sector is our Tomra food sector, where again, we use sensor-based detection technology to sort both uh, fresh food or frozen foods. All of our technology that we have in Tomra is centered around material recovery and resource efficiency. So it's either to recover materials from waste, to feed into a recycling system, or to make sure that the lifetime of that material is prolonged. For example, in our food sector, it's all about um, using the sensor-based sorting technology to detect imperfections in the food. Um, so it, it makes sure, for example, mold or inert materials don't end up in the packaging and being sold. Or it could also look at the sweetness or the ripeness of a material or a food so that it could either be sold local to source or, for example, be shipped to a, a market further away. So wow. we say it's really exciting. It's really a lot of applications. Yeah, a lot of applications, a lot of different types of sensors. And I think people are familiar with Tomra in different ways from the markets that they're in. For example, in Norway, people are quite familiar with Tomra being the uh, reverse vending machines. So I think people are often quite surprised when they hear about really yeah. the direct, different materials and different types of sensors we have. So your company, Tamra, is based out of Oslo, Norway? Yeah. So we are the headquarters, the global headquarters is in Oslo, Norway. And then we're about just over 5,000 people now across the globe. So headquarters in Oslo, but we have offices okay. really all over the world. Incredible. Yeah. And tell us, what is your role specifically at Tamra? 
So right now I'm working in Tomra Textiles. Last year, we set up a new venture branch within Tomra called Tomra Horizon. And one of those is called Tomra Textiles. And specifically in Tomra Textiles, we are looking at how can we scale our automatic sorting technology to sort waste textiles and shift from a linear to a circular economy for textiles. Specifically within that, my role is Director of Strategic Partnerships and also looking at the US market in particular. It's around how can we explore partnerships, explore collaboration with different stakeholders along the whole value chain of circular textiles to ensure that we shift from the very linear take-make-waste value chain into a new circular economy, which makes sure that at the end of the life, any waste is collected back in, it's sorted by its individual fibre type, and it's fed into a closed-loop fibre-to-fibre recycling system. It's incredible. I think this is what we should all be really pushing for, and I wish it was more on the forefront of the consciousness of Western culture. I'll pick on Western culture, but I noticed in Europe when I went to Berlin and Munich, I haven't been to Norway, but I've met Norwegians and they've all been super environmentally friendly and very into renewable energy and just very progressive thought. And, but in general, in Germany, I did see these machines that took back the plastic bottles. And that's what you were just saying is Tamra is known for that in Europe. And it's just incredible that, that America doesn't know as much about Tamra as the rest of the world. You were telling me in Miami about your partnerships in Los Angeles, Miami, throughout the many states. We'll get into that in a second. I wanted to ask you, so who are your clients? Besides, like you said, textiles too. Is it only textiles, sneaker impact being textiles, but mainly shoes as well? But who are your clients? Yeah. Governments, private business? Yeah. I think we have a whole range of different, I would say, stakeholders. And I think- Partners? Yeah, yeah, partners, stakeholders, a whole range of it. And I talk about textiles as shoes will include be included in that as well. But our stakeholders in this will be anybody in this emerging value chain that's looking to now scale and move from the linear to the circular. So that means partners or uh, stakeholders could be anybody that's involved in collecting the waste once it's been produced. Literally recycling any type of materials in the supply chain for any type of business or manufacturing particularly, but also municipalities and governments as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we really broadly impact the whole value chain. And I think textiles in particular is quite exciting because the kinds of stakeholders that we're impacting now are different to, for example, our um, plastics will look at large chemical recycling players, uh, municipal waste collection, um, waste management facilities. Whereas now Mm. if we look at styles, we have the same kinds of stakeholders, which are the chemical recyclers, the mechanical recyclers, collectors, but we now also have a whole new range of stakeholders, which is fashion brands, which for, I think, is quite new. It's this, now it's this merging of fashion meets waste. So typically, I think shoe manufacturers and fashion brands weren't necessarily involved in the waste management sector. But now due to yeah, shifts in culture, people starting to think about circularity and environmental now, it's not just about what are we 
producing fashion-wise. It's what are we producing and how is that impacting the environment and how can we make sure that it's not only a, a nice pair of shoes, but it's a nice pair of shoes and when they reach the end of their life, they can be recycled. So it's a whole new range of stakeholders now, which I think makes textiles and shoes quite exciting. The shoes are more emerging and textiles is more of a, is more of your current or past experience. I think both are emerging. We're really at the, we're really at the beginning of this whole new revolution of circular economy for textiles and shoes. It's only, I think within the, maybe the last three to five years that we've really seen a ramp up of this whole new circular economy evolving. So I think both with shoe waste and textile waste, it's really the beginning of what's possible. Wow. It's amazing. So what, what got you started and so interested in waste management, environmental sciences, recycling? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So my journey was, I think at school, I always loved geography and nature and the study of kind of our earth systems, which took me to studying environmental science at university, which again was a really broad subject from atmospheric science to oceanography to climate change, human social impacts on the climate. So it was, yeah, really fascinating to be sat in university learning about earth systems. And then you can go outside and on the news, you will hear, I think, environmental global warming has been on the news a lot in the last 10 years. So it was really directly applicable to everyday life. When I finished university, I started with a, a large waste management company in the UK. And then uh, I think I was there three, four years yeah. after that, one of their customers was then Tomra. So in one of the large sorting facilities, they had Tomra technology. And then naturally I made the move from the waste management company into Tomra and took responsibility for, in a small business development team, took responsibility for the textile sorting station. Okay. Really in university, you already knew your path was waste management and environmental sciences. Yeah, not so much waste management, but I knew it was, it was the environmental science. It was the environment. It was our planet. It was, how can we help? How can we close the ozone layer or how can we help fight global warming? And I think resource management is, it comes right down to the very core of that. We can all have an impact on that. It impacts us all so much. So I just found that as my kind of route into what I can do for the planet and how I can help the planet. Amazing. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. We've seen other environmental leaders in the past couple of years and decades step up and really bring it to the forefront. People's attention, the carbon output we have is incredible. And is it something that you found is commonplace to discuss and is something people think about and care about a lot in 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 your in in the UK where you lived versus Norway like what is your take on and you've been to the US and traveled a couple of cities here what how do you feel the consciousness is different in these different countries on recycling yeah it's a good question i think i'm fortunate i think we're the same i think the nature of our jobs is that we are more exposed to people that are bound to be or that, that are more environmentally conscious. 
So I think I have probably a different perception of uh, how engaged people are in the environment. But I think in general, particularly from the last 10 years of the plastic movement, I think maybe 10 years ago, people didn't really think about plastic or what they were consuming, how they were consuming. But there's been a huge cultural shift in the last 10 years. And now we all know that the kind of issue of plastic and it needs to be recycled. So there's been, I think, a, a, at least in the global north, there's been a big shift in our perception and environmental causes are increasing on, it feels like everybody's agenda. I get there is a difference between... Your opinion seems to have more thought put into global health than, to be honest, the United States. Yeah, I think part of that comes talked about that, remember? Yeah. Uh, Part of that comes down to organization. We're really environment, like waste management, and it's really at the forefront of some of our legislation in Europe. I think through the kind of trickle-down effect from waste management being on the top of the agenda in, for example, the European Union, there's mandatory waste regulations that we must adhere to, and then they are by force passed down to municipalities and then to uh, residents. So we have to mandatory separate our, collect- our recyclables at home. We have to put our plastic in one place and our paper in another. So we, I think, culturally are more used to it, whereas there are potentially less strict regulations in the US. So people are maybe their awareness is lower. Correct. Yeah, correct. And I think there's an overall, it depends on where you are in Europe, we're beating a dead horse. I don't like that expression. There's very conscious places in the US and then there's places that really, we see it in the shoe recycling industry with running stores is, but everyone cares. It's just some places have more programs set up because it's more of the culture. And, but when you really talk to people, they, everyone cares about the planet and their health and their families. And that's what this really all comes back to is as our founder Mo says, there is no planet B. So let's get into, if we can now, Sneaker Impact. We got to know your background, which we're going to talk about a little bit more in a second about your dreams for the future and goals. But Sneaker Impact, how did you meet us? What is our, how are we involved with Tamra? Can you fill people in on the last year and what the goal is for the future of our partnership? Yes, Sneaker Impact has, I think, as you mentioned, Mo and his vision and his no planet B. We have a mobile demo unit that Mo had the opportunity to use. So that demonstration unit was shipped out to Sneaker Impact. And then I think Mo's dedication to innovation and research and development and finding a solution um, is what connected us. So we have this mobile demonstration unit, uh, which is a smaller scale um, sorting equipment that we can ship out to customers' sites for them to trial. Um, Then through the nature of collecting in sneakers uh, and looking for a second life for them, I think the majority of the shoes that you collect back in will be either remanufactured or resold or find a new life, but some of them will naturally not be able to be used again, so there will be a waste. And Mo has been dedicated to finding a solution for that outside of waste innovation, as you call it in the US, or incineration. That means dismantling the shoes. In some cases, yeah, dismantling the shoes, 
taking them down to their individual material types. So separating them into rubber, textile, foam, metal pieces. And then once you've done that, or yeah, grinding them down into their individual pieces. And then once you've done that, how do you separate them? So you can recover the foam into one fraction. You can recover the rubber into one fraction. And to do that, you need sensor-based sorting technology. So it was Mo's kind of forward thinking, how do we get the most out of the material that we're collecting back in through your sneaker service, combined with how can we use Tomra technology that has uh, been developed for the last 20 years, focusing on material separation. So we had the opportunity to pilot the separation trial at your facility, um, which Mo has really been um, trialing and testing. And as I saw when I was there, spending a lot of time on not just the sorting technology, but the whole process of how do we grind it down? What's the grain size that we can get it down to? How do we mm-hmm. use the technology then for sorting? And then after that, making all of his connections to people looking for the material to recycle it and use it again in a shoe. Wow. Yes, that's the circular economy. First, we're not there yet, Mo always says. He said, it's Brian, make sure you tell everyone it's research and development right now. Our goals are to create a truly circular economy with these materials that are recovered from shoes. Some are more valuable than others, like EVA foam and the different foams in the midsole are especially valuable. Some of the separation happens through air, but first it goes through a grinder, right? And we have a really nice grinder here, but what Tamra sent us was a very large industrial grade machinery. I was going to bring up the website in a second, but we can put that in the link. We'll put up a link to some photos. And uh, this is a very large machine that's used in like a conveyor belt style recycling plant for a municipality, like a county, like a government. And for clothing is how it's primarily used, is my understanding. And we were using shredded materials, which looks more like confetti. Part of the research and development, my understanding is we've been testing air separation in the first section of the material separation. And then it goes to, we, we remove, we remove some of the fabrics from the shoe and we separate the heavier materials, the foam and the rubber. And it's not hundred percent pure yet, even in those two materials, but it's pretty good. It's the air separation and the, it's like a giant vacuum cleaner with big bags. It's a giant shredder, put the whole shoe through at once. And as Louisa was saying, it comes out between five to 12 millimeters with eight millimeter grind being the sweet spot. And that looks like confetti, very small, smaller than a fingernail, just tiny little pieces, many colored pieces. I wish I, I'll go out and get the bag in a second. We have the shredded materials, but basically Louise's machine sorts with optical laser, she was saying, and it uses optical sensors. I'm sorry, infrared, near and far infrared sensors to separate materials with air, shooting it in different directions. I believe, is that how it primarily works is air separation, Louisa? Yeah, exactly. So it uses near-infrared. So the material will run along a conveyor belt underneath a near-infrared sensor and near-infrared mm-hmm. able to detect the different material types. So every different material type emits uh, a wavelength under near-infrared and the wavelength mm-hmm. different materials looks different. So po- polyester, but how does that, you can literally, any material out there almost, or how does it know what it is? Yeah, so the infrared knows it yeah so for example as you said cotton when cotton passes underneath near infrared it will have a certain spectral wavelength reflected and when polyester passes under the near infrared it will have a different spectral wavelength and then okay. the near sensors can see 
the spectral wavelength. And so long as long as we've pre-trained in the, that wavelength of that material beforehand, it will be able to differentiate the different materials. Then we use compressed air to blow or eject the material over a partition. So we some, some that way. Yeah. Exactly. Like, can you, what happens like if there's 10 materials, do you have to separate two at a time? I know the programming's intense. I saw the teams come in with literally there were teams of 10 plus guys that flew in from Dallas that know how to run this machine. This is nothing you would set up in your home. This is something that is used. We have a, had to come in like in pieces and be assembled at a giant loading bay, but we got to get some photos up because this is like something that I mean, you can imagine it's handling huge amounts of materials for municipalities, which again is county government. But Louisa, like, I know we were trying to think about customizing it so that it can handle shredded materials better than clothing, because currently is it ever used for shredded materials or is it mainly used for clothing and things that are intact, or is it used for materials that companies are recovering that are in stages of whatever, just falling into their originals? How does that work? Does it, is it normally bottles yeah. like a whole bowl, or is it shredded it can be either the unit that you have is it was developed and it's i think most or its biggest application is plastic sorting plastic or also sorting paper or recovering materials from household waste would be whole plastic hard rigid plastic bottles detergent bottles drinking oh. bottles Plastic. Got it. So, and, but then it, it can also look at whole items or shredded items. We have okay. a different type of application so that it, the unit that you have is an auto sort. We have a different kind of application that can be used for shredded flakes, which is then a flake sorter. And it's just the difference between sorting on a conveyor belt for maybe larger materials versus sorting on a, a drop chute. So smaller chip comes down like from like that. Okay. That's what we're thinking versus. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So hopefully those at home that are going to be listening to this podcast, this is episode two, you're getting really deep into the waste and recycling industry with Louisa from Tamra. So Louisa, thank you. That really, I, and I think the goal is circular economy, correct? To get the, to the purity to 95% Mo was saying purity of these materials. And then they can be reused by companies who would purchase them as recycled materials with a greater value than maybe a, a raw material that usually have a greater value when it's recycled. I think it depends on the market and the demand for recycled materials. Yeah. So that's really a question for brands and yeah. their commitment to taking recycled materials into their supply. I hope it would be. I think uh, it would be what I've seen recycled clothing is generally a higher value than raw materials, virgin materials, whatever you want to call it. But so, the, yeah, but our goal again is that circular economy. Is that what your goal is in general with Tamra? That is our goal. So we use our sensor-based sorting technology for resource recovery, resource, resourcing the world. So it's about making sure our world's resources can be recovered and fed back into a closed loop system. So it's really leading the circular economy. Yeah, we really need that in this world. The consumption, as we talked about, and I'm going to just say, we just a quick little 
what's the word? Yeah, my little moment. What is the U.S.? 5% of the world's population, but it consumes over 50% of the world's resources and produces more waste than its size. And I'm just picking on the U.S., but you were saying that in certain countries, they don't really have any laws on waste or major programs. Like sometimes if they're not a developed nation, they might need, you know, help too, right? It's not just the U.S., but the U.S. has a major responsibility due to our, our position as a global leader and our resources, right? Our, our success as a nation in the sense of us being a big economy we have a big responsibility, but there's also a lot going on in the developing world. But is Tamra more in the developed world? Is that what I understood from you? I think our technology has been predominantly deployed where there's an, a business case or an economic value for that technology being scaled. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily that... I think legislation is a big part of the circular economy, but I don't necessarily think that a country needs legislation. Um, for example, India is incredibly resourceful. Um, and I know many of their waste management practices, material will get used and recycled and reused and remanufactured because it's because of the value of it. Mm. And that's totally down okay. to but it's about being resourceful and getting the most use possible out of that material. Yeah. Whereas yeah. maybe in Europe or in the global north, we would be much quicker to throw that away and not use sure. it, recycle it and remanufacture it. So it's, I think there are some incredible examples of resource management without legislation. But yeah. That kind of leads us into our next question. And, and we, we've got a couple more questions, but I don't want to hold you too long today, but it's really great to have you all the way from Norway here at our Miami headquarters on Quadcast. What are the challenges you're facing at Tamra and how are you stepping up to help solve with your partners and the stakeholders, the problems of the world's waste management and consumption? How, how, what type of challenges are you seeing out there that are really the hardest for yeah. you? Our, our biggest challenge now, and the reason we've set up Tomra Textiles, is the linear textile value chain. That is what we are working specifically on to shift from a very linear take-make-waste value chain into a set economy for textiles. So I would say overcoming that shift or being part of that shift is our biggest challenge, but also our biggest potential. So within that comes yeah, many different challenges of itself. We're looking at scaling a whole new infrastructure that um, doesn't exist. We have a very well-established linear economy, but I think there's maybe in some cases some perception of it's just adding on some steps onto the end of that linear value chain. Okay, we have a supply chain. Let's just add on um, some collection and uh, let's bend the linear economy round into a circle. Whereas I think it takes a mindset shift. It's really it, molding that and changing from the linear economy into a circular economy. One challenge I think within that is the business model. It's going to really take business model innovation. I think there are many conversations that we 
can get stuck in. Uh, we, I think, collectively in the whole sector of uh, circular economy for textiles, when it comes to the business case, what's the business case? What's the uh, operating cost here? And how much is this going to cost? And what's going to be the value of this yarn? I think yeah. uh, it's going to take actually doing it let's set up some infrastructure let's collaborate together let's work on this together and through this process we will innovate around the new business model rather than making sure we have a really tight existing business model before we even start because i don't think that will happen until we start trialing and testing and providing some sorted material to recyclers uh, I think it will be in parallel rather than waiting until it's a really concrete business case and then moving. Let's move and do it in parallel. I think there's also a lot of comparison to to virgin material, which I think, again, let's try and look past where we come from and look to the future. So not just compare it to the quality of this compared to a virgin material or the price of this compared to virgin material. It's going to take a mindset shift to look at it in a new way it's a different material so we need to be prepared to think differently um and one challenge i think is where you get a linear value chain when you work in silos when people work on their individual part of the value chain so one challenge will be breaking out of those silos and really collaborating really coming together with maybe people who are seen as competitors or if you are a large organization that's not used to collaborating i think this circular economy really takes collaboration so it means opening up and being a bit more vulnerable but really collaborating so it succeeds it so it succeeds so yeah this is we're really solving this challenge by tomra taking a different position in this value chain our traditional role would be a technology vendor. So we would build, optimize, develop, and sell the technology. Whereas in textiles, we are looking at um, being a part of the future value chain. So we want to um, connect the dots between the waste that's being collected and the recycling uh, fiber-to-fiber technologies that are scaling. Sorry about that, Louisa. So... Okay, so that's the challenges. I definitely feel that some of them are the costs and how do you get that down and how do you scale up and what's the incentive, the regulations and the just the politics of it. Is it at the forefront of thought? And now, and I hope that some of the largest companies that produce some of these products, that they'll take a bigger role because I think they the public wants it. 92 to 94% of the U.S. wants to recycle in terms of recent research, but only 13% are actually recycling shoes. But over 90% of people want to recycle. They just need an easy solution. But then companies need to take a big responsibility because they will be helping and they've also been a part of the problem. So they need to be part of the solution. These challenges, I really hope that I'm seeing Europe and California leading the way. Anyone else that you want to mention as you've seen countries taking a, st- a lead, companies taking a lead? There's, yeah, there's many people I could mention. I've sneaker seen, Impact. Or- <laughs> of course, Sneaker Impact and Mo and his commitment to innovation and R&D. That's what we need. And I think it's not been easy as well. It takes time and effort. 
It takes, okay, how do we, what's the right grain size? How do we shred it down? Let's trial this. Let's trial that. Okay. That's investment too. You're going to need to invest a lot of time and money and even with, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, yeah, of course, Sneaker Impact and Mo has done an excellent job there. I think another kind of group of stakeholders that I can mention is like accelerating circularity. They are focused on bringing together the whole value chain and really creating this ecosystem for people to collaborate across the value chain. So bringing together recyclers and collectors and brands and legislators all into one big pot so that they can discuss business cases and the technology and the value chain. So it's those kind of cross-value working groups that really make an impact. And those people that are willing to take a risk willing to invest some money, willing to trial. I think being like willing to trial, as I mentioned, that's where we will move from a linear value chain to closer to circularity. So absolutely what Mo has done at Sneaker Impact by moving forward and being at the forefront of that is, yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, you have to have that sense of adventure and excitement, but also that it's not going to be easy and that you're helping along with many others collaboration, which you mentioned, which was awesome when you flew here from Norway to meet our team and to really do a deep dive with Mo, our founder, on how to improve the technology for us and how we can work together, as you said, and get connected into the right way into the economies and the linear, as you said, to make it more circular. So I'm really excited, but I wanted to ask you, what are you most curious about in the waste and recycling industry? Um, yeah, I think that's a really good question. What am I most curious about? I think the whole waste recycling sector is fascinating. I feel really lucky to be working in this sector just because there is so much to be curious about. The waste and recycling sector affects so many people or it affects everybody globally in a different way, but it really um, has an impact on everyone. And particularly in textiles with such an intricate global value chain from cotton, for example, being grown in one country, shipped to another country to be spun, somewhere else to be woven or produced into a textile, somewhere else to be produced into a garment. We're really working with on topics that have an impact on so many different people. I think just the nature of waste, everybody has some idea of it or some it, you can discuss it anywhere I think everybody has got an idea of it and something to say about it so I think there's so much to be curious and particularly with textiles there are so many questions because we're textiles including shoes we're at the beginning of shifting from a linear to a circular economy so there is really everything to be curious about within that how is this going to work how are yeah, we going to edge right we're pioneering the change right now. It, it wasn't being worked on even 20 years ago, really, or has it been? It's more of a recent, as you said, really been taking off in the last five to 10 years. But regardless, it's a journey. It, it takes a lot of work to solve these problems. Yeah, um, exactly. I yeah. think what am I curious about is how is this going? How are we going to shift from linear to circular? And all mm -hmm. of and all of the 
curiosities that come within that. How do we collect shoes? What's the most efficient way to collect shoes? How do we dismantle the shoes? How do we sort them? How do we make sure that they get back to their purest form so that we can feed them back into recycling? There are so many questions and so many different opinions to think of. So there, yeah, I think there's so much to be curious about when you work in waste and recycling. Until you really get exposed to it. Like before I worked at Sneaker Impact two years ago, I didn't, I was an environmental scientist, so I was aware of certain things, but I didn't really understand the shoe and clothing and waste management industry, as well as I've understood ecology and biology stuff. But I guess coming here and seeing our facility, which handles over 400,000 pairs of shoes a month and other textiles, like it's just been mind blowing that like we export to 20 plus countries, recycled products and you see here mountains of shoes and it's on the scale of that you don't see unless you get a tour to a facility like this. So it's been really eye-opening. And I think that people like you and I have the responsibility to educate. And that's what I want this podcast to help do is get people excited and curious about it because otherwise they just don't think about it and it's not top of mind or it's not, if it's not in their life, if so, but you, we should, and there's a lot we should be doing more. We're not separating hardly anything in the U.S., but don't get me started. But let's keep going. Besides environmental sciences, what are Louisa's other passions? Outdoors, nature, hiking, and in particular, running. So it was an even more exciting opportunity for me to come and meet you at Sneaker Impact, not just because of the innovations around recycling, but it was both of my worlds meeting from my profession of recycling and resource recovery to my passion of running. So yeah, running and also you connecting me with the 6am Saturday run club in Miami was an early morning, but a lot of fun. I think run addict. Well, yep, run, run addict. Yes. Yeah. Run addict. Exactly. It's uh, a way for me to yeah connect with like-minded people to also travel, join runs in different parts of the world, raise money through running a marathon, for example, if I have the opportunity to do that. So yeah, it's, it ties back in this collaboration and the partnership in a nice little way as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Obviously I'm a runner and Louisa, you've done some marathons you've done. Can you tell us which marathons and other races have been your favorite ones? And yeah, so just this last year gone in 2023, I did the Guatemala Marathon, uh, which was up a live volcano, which was super exciting. Um, and then later on uh, last year, I did the original marathon, which was in Athens. So we got the bus, the, a little town called Marathon, and then ran all the way back into the center of Athens, finishing in the um, original Olympic Stadium. So that was, yeah, really exciting. Wow. Amazing. So yeah, I'll have to come run in Norway now. And it's so cool. So yeah. And it's so true that your other passions are tied into your whole life, which is usually the case. Everything's interconnected is that enjoying the outdoors. And then we travel. When you mentioned Guatemala, I've been to Guatemala seven to 10 times and climbed the volcanoes there and also seen some of their struggles with waste management when they have a giant sinkhole and like a ton of trash from like the whole city will go into it. But still, that's nothing like the impact the U.S. is having. So it's all the scale and, but still best practices, local practices, trying to, there's different priorities, different needs in different communities. Some communities are struggling just to have 
electricity or running water. Some communities are, have everything in terms of physical needs and material possessions, but they don't do anything for resource recovery or recycling. Or it's not always so black and white, it's more nuanced, but there should be a lot more done in, I believe, you know, where the greatest benefit has been for people financially have been very successful in certain sectors. So I'd like to see more responsibility taken by these mega companies that can help more, but hopefully everyone will take a role from the smallest companies and Sneaker Impact is building from the grassroots and Tamra is a global leader and we're working together. So it's really awesome partnership. Any last thoughts you want to share with Sneaker Impact's community today before we let you go? Yeah, I think one thought is we talk a lot about recycling, but it's not the solution or it's only part of the solution. It's, yeah, it's, it's part of the solution and that actually better than that is not to produce the waste in the first place. While it's good to think about what do we do with the waste once it's been produced, how do we collect it, how do we recycle it, uh, how do we get back it back into a new resource, I think mm. how do we think about not producing the waste in the first place? What can we do as consumers to be more resource efficient? So I think it's something that I'm quite passionate about where majority of my work is focused on how do we collect the waste and sort it and prepare it for recycling. But I think it's important to remember that we should try as much as we can to reduce our consumption and not reduce that waste in the first place. I can share a commitment that some of my colleagues in my team made this year, which I think is really fantastic. And they've committed to only buying five items of clothing in 2024 which it's a big commitment um but it it really makes you think if i can only buy five items in the whole year every item you need to think really carefully about how durable is this item how long is it going to last how much am i really going to use it socks and like i think (laughs) what do you think no the 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 socks yeah they're I'm not, just kidding. <laughs> but, but yeah, if I buy this, is it going to sit at the back of my closet? So I think it's a really, it, it's True. a really, so it's, it's maybe food for thought and hopefully we can. Great challenge, to be honest. I've never heard of a challenge like that, but there's challenges for certain months and different causes. I think five items in a year. Does that include commonly used items like underwear and socks or is that we mainly have, like pants have, and jackets? Yeah, no, we and I think the consensus in the team was it doesn't include underwear. So (laughs) that's important. Why don't you green and everything? And you want to just minimize consumption in the sense of be efficient, I think is the best way because we're just part of nature. We don't own nature and we don't own this planet, right? It's we're part of the ecosystem. And if we, don't be more mindful, we're going to all of a sudden have a really sick habitat that we live in, fishbowl, and we're the fish. And we can't just go to Mars and start over. And they are going to go to other planets, but we're going to have these systems in place on other planets because it should have been in place earlier. And now we're trying to solve these really big problems that are very exponential matrix style, getting the whole world's attention on something, the oceans, the plastic 
floating islands that are in every continent, they're in every ocean. They're not just in the Pacific. We talked about that when we hung out and how they're working on that. And I'm sure Tamara is getting involved in all these things, which is so cool. So I really am glad today that we got everyone to learn about Tamra and hear Luisa's passion for, for recovering and creating a circular economy. How can everyone follow you to stay connected with everything you're up to, Luisa? I would say LinkedIn is probably the best way. I try to be active and share thoughts and what we've been up to. Also, we're almost a team of 10 people now in Tomra Textiles, either through following me or have a look at the hashtag Tomra Textiles on LinkedIn, Tomra Global on LinkedIn. I think that would be the best way and feel free to reach out. And they can go to your website. We'll share all these links, but uh, the website I was just on before, it is tomra.com, right? Yes, that's the that's global. Clear. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So we'll share some links with everyone. And this has been just an incredible conversation. Louisa, I'm sure we're going to have you back in the future too, because we've become good friends and you're a friend of the companies of Mo and mine. And we, we're going to come run with you in Europe. And thank you for coming all the way to Miami and spending time with us. And now spending time getting to know our community. We're going to get this out there to the world and stay in touch. Thank you again for your time. We're going to chat with you more in the future. Good luck with all your projects and goals. And thank you for all your hard work. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Have a great day. Bye, everyone.